Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to Know Your Enemy, our Wednesday night live YouTube show. here with me, as always, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Just been waiting all day for, uh, let's say, Wednesday night, know your enemy. Yep. <laughs> normally, normally we have a guest uh, talking about the other team from that covers the Steelers' opponents. So normally you would expect us to have a person who covers the New York Jets right now. Uh, but we had a couple of people fall. Th- we had a play- person cancel. We had a backup fall through. So instead, we are very pleased to have Mark Burgeon on the show today from Believe in Steelers. And we're going to be talking Jets game, but we're also just going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mark, how are you doing today? Jeffrey, Shannon, thanks for having me on. And Shannon, when you step out of your car, I expect you to have the same music is that you had with your fancy intro so thanks for having me on tonight <laughs> fellas yes well thank you so much for being here shannon and i uh sometimes have to go on by ourselves but that's not how we like to do it we love having guests here so i want to start since this is know your enemy and this is jets week do you have any thoughts about the jets this year uh i don't know how much research you've done into them but do you do you have any thoughts about the jets team this season well it looks like zach wilson's going to be back at quarterback coming off that meniscus injury in the preseason so that's kind of where you start considering the jets are kind of in the same spot the steelers are at one and two and they won a game that maybe they shouldn't have but they found a way to win against the browns in week two but Here's where I think the Steelers have a distinct advantage is the Jets starting left tackle. George Fant is going to be out in this one. So it's the third offensive tackle the Jets have had on IR already this season. So if you're Alex Highsmith lined up against whoever the backup's going to be for the Jets, you've got to be able to eat. You've got to be able to take advantage of that matchup. So that's kind of where I start with this contest between the Jets and the Steelers. And you kind of go from there. Really, the big question mark I have from Pittsburgh's standpoint is the health status of Minka, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick with his concussion. So both teams dealing with some injuries, and you know it's next man up. That's the name of the game in the NFL. Well, I know Fitzpatrick was back at practice, a full participant. They said so. That's a good. 
because they they need him because Witherspoon's out, and I don't think Witherspoon's going to be playing. Um, I wanted your opinion, Mark, on Flacco won the game against the Browns with some late game heroics, and you mixed in with blown coverages by the Browns. But Flacco had give the Steelers trouble early in his career, mm-hmm. and and he he really had some good games against them. But now it looks like Wilson's going to be back. So that's actually could be an advantage for the Steelers, especially if they are more aggressive. Last week against the Browns, I, I expected them to run blitz and really press the line of scrimmage to try to slow down the running game and pressure Brissett for the Browns, but they did not do that. Um, if they pressure Wilson, I think that they will have success. But if they, if they play that soft zone coverage, and give up the underneath, you know, across the middle. That that's the way to get, help a guy knock the rust off because they're going to give him some easy completions. Would you rather see the Steelers face Flacco or Wilson? I would rather see Flacco in this one. He's thirty-seven. He's not what he once was when he was in Baltimore, and for whatever reason, the Jets have said, "Hey, we want you to lead the league in passing attempts through the first three weeks of the season." <laughs> To me, it doesn't make any sense because you have two pretty good running backs in Michael Carter and Brees Hall, the rookie out of Iowa State. So to me, no. I mean, honestly, I'd rather see Flacco than Zach Wilson. And Flacco is a player that the Steelers have played for years when he was the starting quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. you got to go up against him at least twice a season. So, no, I would rather see Flacco than Wilson, but it looks like Wilson's going to get the start on Sunday. I have to throw it here that I I loved seeing Joe Flacco go out and get a win against the Browns. Most likely, I mean, we we thought he'd gotten his last win against the Browns, but he got one more. I think he's now eighteen and three against the Browns for his career. It's not quite Ben Roethlisberger's. What is it? Twenty six two and one, mm-hmm. uh, insane record against the Browns, but it's pretty good. And I, I loved I loved seeing it uh, with Flacco out. Obviously, it's gonna change how the receivers are used. We haven't seen, you know, Wilson throw to Garrett. We haven't seen Wilson to Wilson yet uh, with Zach throwing to Garrett, rookie Garrett Wilson. But Garrett Wilson leads the team in targets, receptions, yards. Like, he has been pretty incredible for them as the guy in the slot. How how do you think the Steelers deal with him? Can we go with our conventional – Defense, do we pull something a little different to do that? Because the Steelers have been running Terrell Edmonds in the, in the slot a lot. And against the Browns, they even had Devin Bush and, and Miles Jack covering slot receivers a decent bit to try and get a bigger package in against the run. Can they do that against the Jets, or, or, or how are they going to have to deal with Garrett Wilson? The Steelers have been running a lot of cover two this season, and I think part of that is this is now Mike Tomlin's defense. He ran cover two when he was the defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings before he got to the Steelers. And he kind of adopted the three, four model that was already in place with Bill Cowher and company, the great defenses with Dick LeBeau. But if you actually look at a lot of the Steelers defensive coverages, look at the alignment of the cornerbacks. And if they're lined up outside shade of the receivers and they funnel the receivers inside, they're jamming the receivers inside where there's help and you have zone coverage underneath, that to me is an indication that you're playing a lot of cover two defense. They've been playing a lot of two high with Minka Fitzpatrick, who's done a great job per usual reading quarterback size and making plays on the back end. So to me, it doesn't really matter as much because it, to me, it's like if you had the horses to play man, maybe you put your stud cornerback in, have that guy lock up whoever an opposing team star receiver is. But The secondary, everyone not named Minka Fitzpatrick was one of the questions the Steelers had going into this season. And so I think that's part of the reason why you see more zone coverages to where the Steelers, I will say this, do a great job of disguising coverages pre-snap to where they'll make it look like one coverage and they'll go to a different coverage last minute. They do a good job of uh, confusing opposing quarterbacks in disguising their coverages with their pre-snap alignment. But that's just something I've noticed uh, each week. My co-host Ike Taylor and I do a Taylor talk segment where we break down the X's and O's and 
that is one thing we've noticed is there's been a lot more cover two this year. Now that Mike Tomlin, it's really his defense, Terrell Lawson is first season. To me, I'm not so much concerned. It's not to say the Steelers don't ever play man defense, but it's just something that we've noticed through the first three weeks of this season. I've noticed that I was expecting a lot more Flory's, Brian Flory's influence. Uh, and I thought that they were seeing it a little bit more against the Patriots. Uh, and But honestly, I believe that the Steelers could have won both of these last two losses if they'd had T.J. Watt on the field. Watt makes four amazing plays a game, you know, drive killers, and then he influences and makes everybody else around him better and more effective. They don't have that now. And so it, the potentially dominant defense that we say through the Bengals game is just, it's just, you know, above average, but it's not the same. That is concerning uh, because what is definitely out for this week and next week. Um, do you think that they need to be more aggressive? Uh, and, and, even if it's not, you know, run blitz, and I don't think that's really necessary against the Jets. But they need to get that extra guy to get that pressure on Wilson, not giving him that time back in the pocket. Um, and that'll actually help Highsmith, who is, you know, is our best pass rusher. Uh, but what defense do you think they should play behind that if they do? Shannon, that's a great question. And I kind of look at what the odds makers are saying. It's the first week that the Steelers are favored going into Sunday's game this season. And it might be the first time they're the only time they're favored really up until the bye week, which is a very scary possibility. So you would hope against a Jets team that's allowing defensively 27 points per game. You could take care of business this Sunday because you're a three, three and a half point favorite, depending on the book. But in the coming weeks, depending how long TJ Watts out, you might have to do that against teams that are more talented than the Steelers are. And it's one of those things where it's like, if the Rams were to be without Aaron Donald, what would that defense look like? That's the type of impact that you have to consider with how the Steelers are without Watt because you line him up over in a team's opposing right tackle and most quarterbacks in this league are right-handed. I think that's very deliberate from the Steelers' standpoint to where he's in the face of opposing teams' quarterbacks, regardless of what kind of scheme you draw up. And if you need proof of that, go to last year's Seattle game where Watt single-handedly stripped sacks Geno Smith late in that ball game, coming off a triple team. And that's not an exaggeration either. Coming off a triple team, strip sacks, Geno Smith, the Steelers get the ball back in favorable position. They go on and score and win the ball game. That's the type of player you're talking about with TJ Watt. You're not going to replace a player like that. So the onus falls on everyone, all 11 defensive players on the field, because you're not going to get the level of production of a guy who ties the NFL single season sack record a record Michael Strahan set years ago when when teams didn't pass nearly as much as they do. But what I always point to with TJ Watt last season is this. He tied that sack record for as long as the NFL's been around. He only did it, he played in 15 games. In three of the games he played, he played fewer than 50% of the team's defensive snaps. And oh, by the way, he also led the league in tackles for a loss. We saw it again in week one against the Bengals where he nearly decapitated Joe Mixon on a TFL. <laughs> and then on the very next play, he makes a leaping interception that only he could make. Show mm -hmm. me another player in the league who could make that same play. So that's the type of caliber of player we're talking with TJ Watt. He's on a whole nother level. If you can at least write the ship, if you can go 500 in the first six, seven, eight games of the season. If you can get to the buy 500 or better, that's a success for the Steelers team. That's why I'm saying Sunday's game against the Jets is a must-win game because the road does not get any easier in the coming weeks. No, it really doesn't. And uh, we had pegged, at least me looking at the season, I saw it, and you see Buffalo Bills, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you're like, well, that's a rough stretch of games. And then you look past that, and it's the Dolphins and Eagles and you're like, well, okay, those aren't going to be cakewalks, but they shouldn't be bad games. And then, 
both of those teams <laughs> have just really put it together and they are absolutely dominant right now with that schedule looking forward uh a lot of people thought this jets game was the point to switch quarterbacks this was the point to go to kenny pickett you don't want him on the short week against the browns you have an extended you have an extended week you have a team that's not as good their 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 defense isn't as good you know that's where you put kenny pickett in but would do you think the four games coming up impacted the decision of how long Kenny Pickett's going to be on the bench? Or do you think this has been the Steelers' plan all along? Or do you think this is something where Kenny Pickett is is really showing the team, hey, I'm not ready to play? Uh, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the option of it's also how relative to how the other teams in the division are performing, not just how the Steelers have done to this point. Now, I think it would either make sense coming off the Thursday night game. It's almost like a mini bye week to where they could have started Pickett in week four at home against a team that's not as talented as the other teams the Steelers are due to face in the coming weeks. If they don't do it now, well, then week 10 following the bye week, November the 13th against the Saints is kind of the next date that I have circled on my calendar. My bold prediction for this game, though, is this. I think we see Kenny Pickett for the first time in an NFL game come Sunday, and it happens in one of two scenarios. Either the offense is stagnant yet again for the fourth week, and it's like, how big of a sample size do we need? And if the offense doesn't do it this week, this is a Jets team allowing an average of 27 points per game. So you've got to put up production because this Jets defense hasn't shown that in three games. I'm not just taking, I'm not overreacting one game. It's a three-game sample size. If the offense is stagnant, Maybe you see Kenny Pickett out on the field in the second half. Or if the game gets out of hand one way or another, big Steelers lead or the Jets take the game, I think this is the week Kenny Pickett finally sees action. That's my bold prediction. I have no insider knowledge. I have no insider information about this. It is just a total gut feel because this Steelers offense right now is so stagnant. While the team is averaging 18 points per game, the offense is averaging only 15 because, remember, they had that Minka Mm -hmm. Fitzpatrick pick six. So it's just like at some point, there's too much talent from the skill position players. Najee and Deontay were both pro bowlers a year ago. A year ago, you were throwing it up to Pat Fryermuth in red zone scenarios and one-on-one coverages, and he was going up and getting it regardless of who he was lined up against. As rookie, Chase Claypool, for as much crap as you might want to give him, Tied a Steelers rookie record with 11 touchdowns. Think about all the great players that have come through this franchise. He tied a rookie record with 11 touchdowns in the 2020 season. There's too much talent. Oh, and George Pickens. I mean, like, look, when I want to make myself feel better from this past week, I just pull up that Mm one-handed, beautiful catch that he made. And I've played that on loop all all week long, in all honesty, because it's just it was a great catch. So you have all this talent on the skill position standpoint, but the sum doesn't equal its parts right now. And the Steelers need to do something. It reminds me a little bit of how the offense got stagnant in 2019 when Mason Rudolph was the quarterback and they turned to Duck Hodges. And Hodges provided a little bit of a spark for a while, for a minute. Certainly you'd expect that to last longer with Kenny Pickett, a guy who was selected in the first round. So if the offense is stagnant yet again, What other choice do you have? Now, I will say this too, and it comes with this concession. Once you go to Kenny Pickett, you're really turning things over to him. And then to say, oh, well, maybe then we'll go back to Trubisky. Once you're going to Pickett, it's really his team. But I think this is the first week Pickett sees action. Just a gut feeling, a gut feeling. And again, it could be either of those two scenarios, stagnant offense or a blowout game one way or another. We all love the Steelers. Um, I believe even in our wildest dreams, they are not a Super Bowl contender this year. They've uh, reloaded. They've brought in a lot of young talent through the draft, through free agency. Everybody they got, there's a lot of guys 28 and younger, the vast majority on both sides of the ball. They're trying to put something together to where this, this team could grow together and improve and as they try to develop into a contender 
the the thing you just don't know is the quarterback position. Now this week they've decided to go from Tyson Alulu to uh, Matravius Adams, which I have no problem with because again he's much younger. We know what Alulu could give you, but he's not been quite the same, especially on Thursday night coming off a short week and 35 years old. Uh, and he had his worst game that I can recall as a Steeler. So they made the, the switch to Adams. Um, you're really playing for the future. And they really need to know what they have in Kenny Pickett. Because I don't know. I think they're going to be picking higher this year than they normally do. And, and, I, and I want them to win every game, but I just think that's the truth. They need a sample size to tell what they really have with Pickett. Um, and I believe they're doing that in most of the positions. They're going with the younger talent. Um, if they make the switch, let's say by week 10, as you said, after the bye, um, do you think that'll be a big enough sample size for them to tell if Kenny Pickett can, you know, has an opportunity to be the franchise quarterback of the future? Great question. I think so. In reason being too, if they don't go to Pickett now, what that signals to me is that Mike Tomlin feels that there are other problems with this offense outside of the quarterback position. You can point to the play calling of Matt Canada. You could point to the offensive line and the lack of push that they get specifically in the running game. I know the line's been a little bit better on pass protection. So I get the idea that you don't want to feed Pickett to the Wolves. At the same time, Shannon, I'm with you in that you need to see what you have in him because through three games, Look, I knew this offense would struggle early on, but it has been absolutely brutal. And it's like, what upside do you see with Trubisky right now? And he's been good when he's been on the run, not having to think about things. But for Trubisky, he's just got to cut loose because if he keeps playing ultra conservatively like he is now, they're going to hand the reins over to Pickett regardless. So it's just like cut loose. he he shouldn't be playing with any kind of pressure at all because knowing that, I mean, especially with Pickett waiting in the wings as the first rounder at some point, the Steelers are going to need to see what they have with Pickett, but this schedule, like it's as brutal as any as there is in the league to where it's like, even this jets game normally would be kind of more of a cupcake. You're only a three, three and a half point favorite, but in the next several weeks, again, up until the bye week, I don't think the Steelers, if the teams that they're playing continue on the path that they are now, and if you ended the season today, they'd all be in the playoffs. It's like the the Bucks, the Bills, the Dolphins, the um, and the Eagles. <laughs> like, even, I think even a good team would struggle to split that going two and two. So... That's that's what the Steelers have to cut out for them. It's going to be really tough. It's going to be really, really tough regardless of who's lined up under center. But if you can't put up points like that week two game against the Patriots, I think we might be looking at later on this season. We, we really let that one get away because in an NFL game in 2022, if you allow 17 points, you should win the game. Yeah. Absolutely. I've I've been talking about that because a lot of people, we remember the 2008 Steelers. We remember the 90s Steelers. We remember games where the, you know, defense came out and gave up, you know, 17 points and they lost. And we'd be like, oh, defense gave up too many points. But now, now, like you're saying, that is not at all the case where if you're not scoring 21 points, you should lose. In today's NFL, that's just you need to get past 20 points. Uh, and that showed up. The Steelers' only win was 23 points, and that involved a defensive touchdown. So do you think the defense needs to set this offense up for them to score? Or do you think you think we'll actually see something we haven't? Because what we haven't been seeing is long drives, right? We've gotten like a 50-plus yard drive like once a game from them. I think we got two or three in Cleveland uh, with – Mitchell Trubisky's best game yet. Uh, do you do you think we can expect more from that? Or is this a team that really is going to continue to say, hey, the defense has to force something? And, and how much pressure is it fair to put on the defense 
to be forcing turnovers to be put in the offensive position where they don't have to do as much to score. Well, let me point out a few things here, Jeffrey, because I'm going to take this in a lot of different directions. Okay. Third down efficiency is something that needs to improve. 13 to 39 through the first three games, Steelers were one of nine on Thursday night against the Browns. So how do you get into third and manageable situations to where your offense could succeed? You can open up the playbook to where it's not third down and long and you're requiring your veteran quarterback to make a play if the down and distance is 10 yards or plus. So that's that's where I start. Third down efficiency is one. The offense, though, I go back to 15 points per game. That's tied for 24th in the league. Yards per game, yards per play, time of possession, 30th in the league. There's only 32 teams in the league. So second worst in each of those three categories, that has to improve. So the defense, in a certain sense, with the way that the offense is playing right now, has to play a perfect game. Oh, by the way, Presley Harvin, your punter, has a hip injury. He might not play. So Jordan Berry is going to be the guy. Why does this matter? It's not just from a punting standpoint. Placeholding with Chris Boswell and making sure that's up to snuff when points are a premium for this offense right now, and you need every point you can get. That's another factor to where it's very likely that Boswell could have a different placeholder if Harvin's not able to go. And so that continuity is broken up. It's a lot of things right now where it's like the Steelers need all the help that they can get. And that's why where it's just like, you want to know what, if you want to play scared or if you don't want to put Pickett out there because you, do, you don't want him to fail, ruin his confidence and possibly tarnish him. At a certain point, it's got to get better than this. Yeah. Point blank period, it has to get better than this. And it's, it's amazing to me too, as you read a lot of the players' quotes and you listen to what the players say, and sometimes what they don't say or what you can tell they're meaning to say. Mm. And it points to a lot of the play calling with Matt Canada right now because point Blake period, the offense isn't getting it done. And I mean, I don't think it takes someone to know X's and O's and to be a football guru to see that right now. And if you listen to a lot of the players' quotes that they've had this past week and previous week saying, hey, we run the players that the coaches tell us to or – We've got to have concepts and schemes that help us succeed. And that's what a good offensive coordinator will do. Because even though Trubisky is not going to be Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert, good offensive coordinator will give their quarterbacks layups almost to where easy plays, easy completions, easy reads to set them up for, for success. The elite level quarterbacks are the ones that can make the five to 10 to maybe 15 plays a game that other guys in the league can't make. And that's really the difference right now to where the Steelers offense point blank period must get better. If you want to have any kind of success this season, because through three games, look, I like what I saw from the preseason as well from the Steelers quarterbacks, because we were all talking about how all three guys Pickett, Rudolph and Trubisky were all balling. It just goes to show you preseason, regular season. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. We got a super chat here. Justin Gall gives us $4.99. Says third and short conversions are dismal. We need to go for it on fourth down in between the 40s. Have we even attempted a fourth down yet? I can answer that last part. We are the only NFL team that has not yet attempted a fourth count diversion in this season. Do you have any thoughts on that, Mark? Well, each game's a little bit different. Has there, Jeffrey, has there been a scenario where you think the Steelers have should have gone for it? Let me turn that back on you. Um, I'm trying to th I'm trying to think of them, and I can think of a lot of third and shorts, like he said, that failed. And then I'm sitting there thinking, well, if you if you can't convert third and two, third and three, even third and one, man, how are you going to convert fourth and one? Fourth and two, fourth and three, you know? Mm. I, I do kind of get the idea that treat a third and three as a two-down situation and say, okay, maybe, you know, if, if we can if we can gain two yards and then make it a fourth and one, something like that. Uh but yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like you've got to change something. The Steelers have to do something. Uh and going forward on fourth down, I mean, this they need to get first downs, they need to extend drives. When they do, they actually start moving the ball down the field. The problem is they get caught three and out. They start, I don't know, maybe maybe Mitch Trubisky needs more than three plays in a drive to make a good one. 
but uh that's funny i'll say this i mean i kind of go to um third down efficiency hasn't been there but it's just like do you expect the result to be any different on fourth down there hasn't been a scenario where i'm like oh they definitely should have gone for it here yet um i i just (laughs) that the lack of push your offensive line gets thus far it is that is concerning to me and i'll say this though too I've seen footage where the offensive line's getting a push, and for whatever reason, Najee Harris has bounced it outside. In that Cleveland game, in the first half, I was encouraged because you go into halftime, you're up 14 to 13, and the Steelers at half were actually outrushing the Browns. And it was like, holy, wow, let's, let's keep this going. You run into this dichotomy, Jeffrey, and this is kind of what I struggle with right now. When the Steelers scored twice against the Browns, in each of those first two scoring drives, they ran some hurry up, which I think would be smart for the Steelers to incorporate because defenses can then uh, not substitute. You can take advantage of that and you get a defense on its heels and you can exploit matchups. But if the Steelers rank as low as they do in time of possession, again, 30th in the league, average time of possession, just a little bit more than 24 minutes per game. If you're running hurry up and it's like, oh, let's run hurry up and go three and out. You're putting more, even more pressure on a defense that's out on the field for as long as it is. So that's kind of it, it's there's yin and yang right now. And right now at the Steelers offense, it is just it's it's pretty brutal to watch. I won't lie. There's a whole lot of bad in it. Shannon, I want to throw this to you as well. Do you want to see the Steelers go for it on fourth down? I'm more concerned about the first three downs. Uh, there has been a, a lot of times that I felt like they really need to go for it here because usually when they've had success and had it in a fourth where they would have been a question, you know, you want to go to Boswell because, you know, he's basically your best offensive weapon right now. Uh, yeah. So uh, that's really not been an issue to me. I'm more concerned on the first three downs. And it's frustrating that they have got in a lot of third and two third and three situations where you should have a complete playbook, but they have not been successful. They've thrown multiple deep passes on third and two in all three games. And that's something that they did last year. And that's something you do when you don't trust your offensive line. And before the men did not have mobility, but Trubisky does. And we're still waiting on them to use it. I think they had one design quarterback keeper. And then he took off on another play and got a little bit of yardage, but he needs to be, there's no reason to protect him. Everybody's like, oh, if you run him, he's going to get hurt. <laughs> I mean, there's no reason to protect him because he's probably going to be coming out soon anyway. He needs to use that. That's one of his biggest weapons, mm-hmm. and and the Steelers need that. Um, I would make one more quick point. Mark was mentioning uh, uh, Presley Harvin. He had a full practice today too. Okay. So I don't think we have to worry about Jordan Berry Unless, you know, he's hit backs up later in the week. So it's good right, news. Awesome. I, I like how Shannon, we could just spare Mitch Trubisky's carcass and it won't matter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hope I hope your viewers can tell I'm joking. I, hope, I, I am joking. Yeah, I, I wanna I wanna bring that up because with the fourth down conversions, we've seen Presley Harvin until the Browns game. He he struggled a bit in the Browns game. We yeah. found out, of course, he has something with his hip. Uh, but before that, he actually was really doing a great job in the punt game. He was one of the better punters in the NFL this year. He's currently tied. He was in the lead. He's now tied for the most punts. And uh, before week three, he actually led in yardage and was was one of the top in yards per punt as well. The Steelers are playing a field position game, right? They're going for field goals. They're they're trying to use the the punter. He has been a pretty good weapon for them and with this, but that's not, you know, that's not the modern NFL. It, it kind of feels like the Steelers are playing '90s, you know, NFL football with, even though they're going with Matt Canada's, you know, more modern offense. It, it feels like the game plan is is much more '90s of a field position ball game. And just try and out punt the other team and hope to to hope to get a field goal out of short drives. Uh, how does how does this team 
get out of that, right? Like if barring switching to Kenny Pickett and him being the answer, what can this team as it's built do to really go from a team that, that is so bad on offense to being a good offense? And can that even, is that even realistic to set sights on for this season? Or is this something where we're just have to look at this and say, the offense isn't going to be good this year, maybe next year. No, I certainly hope not. Uh, you got to develop an identity. So it's what can you do that another team is forced to stop and then you can counter on. So this past week against the Browns, when you rule out that Jadavian Clowney's out for the game, whoever his backup is, I'm running at him play yep. after play after play after play after play until you prove that you could stop it. I don't know if Matt, like, the thing that was so frustrating about the Browns game was this Clowney was out starting safety. Ronnie Harrison was out. The two linebackers both went out during the game with injuries. The players that are coming in to replace them are young and unproven. And this is no knock on them, but this would be the reality of any replacement player who's coming in to take over for the starter. They're going to be unproven. Take advantage in device schemes that force those players to prove that they belong on the field. Again, good offensive coordinators do that. And you still struggle to put up points against a Browns team that's missing four defensive starters. If the Steelers were missing four defensive starters, well, there's your excuse built in right there. We're dealing with right now with, with TJ Watt. And I'm not saying that he's going, he's a, an easy player to replace reigning defensive player of the year. You know, you're not just going to plug someone in and get the same level of production. I certainly understand that, but this is what a good offensive coordinator does. So you got to develop an identity. And I just don't know what that is at this point. The one thing with Pickett, I'll say, and the preseason doesn't translate over to the regular season. I kind of liken it to a war reenactment. But, <laughs> a good one. but the, the body language of the, the players when Pickett was in the game is different. Mm -hmm. It's different. And I don't know if it's the fans getting riled up too, because he's the hometown kid, but it's different when Kenny Pickett was in the game. And I don't expect that spark to last for forever. Whenever the Steelers do decide to put Pickett in there, but it's going to be there where it's just like, look, Kenny Pickett's going to be there a heck of a lot longer than a lot of the players that are currently on the team. So you might as well get with the program. Because Pickett's going to be given every opportunity to succeed as a Steelers quarterback. And the one thing, Jeffrey, I would point to with this offense, at least and as excited as I get about the individual talent, about the skill position players, something we haven't seen this season, but we've seen flashes of Deontay's brilliance. We've seen what Najee can do when he gets going. We can see what Chase Claypool can do. We've seen on tape what George Pickens can do. We can see the one-on-one -on -one combat catches Pat Fryermuth has showed as a rookie. All of those players that I just named, Deontay Johnson's the other statesman. He's 25 years old. So it will take time for this offense to gel. And that's why I would certainly expect the offense to be better, say, come weeks 16, 17, 18, than it is in weeks one, two, and three. It's just been really, really dismal and really, really bad in weeks one, two, and three. So that's kind of where I land with that. But my Lord, it's like you, you've got to improve and improve quickly because, and, and here's, here's kind of what I look at too is mentally, I wonder at what point is the defense going to check out because right now they have to play an almost perfect game for you to even get a victory. Like not just winning the turnover battle in week one against the Bengals, but winning the turnover battle 5-0 and you still only win that game by three mm -hmm. points. Yeah. It's not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done. And so that's just, that's where I'm at with everything where it's just like, you've got to get better and you got to get better quickly. One of the things I think is we're overlooking is the head coach quarterback relationship. You look at almost all the most successful offenses there. There is a good connection between the head coach and the quarterback. Tomlin has preached ball security Every time they lose the game, if they lose that turnover margin, that's the first thing he brings up. He stresses that. He's old school, conservative, fundamental. 
coach. He wants he would love to have an offense like Cleveland ran Thursday night. You know, have that power running game, control it that way. A quarterback that protects the ball, you know, takes the easy first read. That was that's Tomlin in a nutshell. That's his offense. Well, the Steelers don't have that offensive line, and they don't have Nick Chubb, and they don't have Kareem Hunt. They have talent, but I'm wondering if Tomlin's influence, whether it's intentional or not, is creating a conservative game plan. I watched Ben change where he become very leery and hesitant to throw across the middle because that's where the you make big plays, but also the uh, frequency of interceptions, tip balls, bad things happen more when you go across the middle. Uh, now we're seeing Trubisky, who's never showed a hesitancy in the past. Now he's hesitant to throw across the middle. He threw two across the middle completions to Fryermuth, I think, on the last drive. Before that, they didn't even use utilize the middle field. They're playing mm-hmm. on half the field, and it's so much easier to defend. I'm wondering if this is an intentional. If Tomlin has said to Canada to call a certain way, if he has stressed to Trubisky protect the football, or if just his influence and his presence, and they know that that's what he wants, that unintentionally that has created some of this. Because I believe that if Tomlin showed confidence, not just in the press conference, but off the field, in the meetings, in the offense, in Canada, in Trubisky, they would play more free. Because Trubisky's just not seeing things that's wide open. And and I believe that it, it, part of it is the, that influence of Mike Tomlin and the ball security. Are you seeing the same thing I am? Well, let me go. Hang on. I'll come back to the quarterback and head coach relationship in a second, Shannon, and remind me if I forget. But let me circle back to that. I, I What you said brought up two, two thoughts in my mind. Number one, if you ever have a game plan where Pat Fryermuth's not targeted until like midway through the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, and then his first reception came late in the fourth quarter when it didn't even matter, Scrap whatever game plan that is. If you have printed out sheets of paper, <laughs> burn it. Yeah, yeah. Burn it. Because that's just unacceptable. He's way too talented not to have any targets or to wait that late in the game to have a target. That's number one. Number two, when I'm listening to Mitch Trubisky get interviewed, Matt Canada get interviewed in advance of the week three game against the Browns, and they both admitted Starting quarterback, guy who has 50-plus starts in the NFL, doesn't have the ability to audible at the line of scrimmage. That's horrible. I don't care if that's high school level. That's absolute. like, that can't happen. Point blank period cannot happen. So you saying that brought up those two points Mm -hmm. and hopefully make those adjustments, hopefully. The other quarterback head coach relationship, Shannon, I think stem from... Okay, whether it's Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford out in LA, McVay's a, an offensive-minded head coach. Uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, throw Eric Bieniemy in that conversation to the OC in Kansas City, offensive-minded coaches. I, I mean, how, how many other quarterback head coach combinations you want to go through, but offensive-minded head coaches, primarily offensive coaches. This is where Tomlin, as a defensive coach, Again, he he's gonna, you know what, and he's gonna have an awfully tough decision to make to where I don't think they'd get rid of Matt Canada midseason, but when push comes to shove, something's gotta give because 15 points per game through the first three games. Again, my litmus test this weekend, Jets are averaging an, an average 27 points per game through three through three weeks. If you can't at least get to 20, 21, we're in trouble. And and I know the Jets have some talent defensively. They have Three very talented first round picks in this past year's draft. They thought they draft. I think for once the Jets actually drafted well this past year, mm-hmm. which like never happens for the Jets. But I think they drafted really, really well this past year. And so I know they have some talent, but okay, what have other teams done against them this season? If the Steelers offense is stagnant yet again, how is it going to get better? when you played Todd Bowles and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, that is absolutely balling right now. It's not going to get any better. So it's just like, you've got to show something this week because 
again, going back to that schedule, this stretch for the Steelers isn't getting any easier because we thought going into the season, okay, the first six are going to be really tough. But the Dolphins and Eagles are your last two undefeated teams in the league, both sitting at 3-0. and So it's just like it is an absolute gauntlet really up until the bye week. You thought it was the first six. Plot twist. It's the first eight. And so if it's not going to get any better, what are the things that you can do to try to get it better? Establishing an identity, and that's where maybe you do turn to pick it. It'd be an awfully tough spot for the rookie, but that's why he's a first-rounder too. If he's worth his merit, maybe he could be that spark, and maybe that's the glass-half-full perspective because he will be a rookie. But you need something better because with Trubisky through three weeks – like, what do the Steelers have to hang their hat on from an offensive standpoint? No, in all seriousness, I don't even know what I would point to offensively yeah. right now. Yeah, nothing. Like you said, they need to find an identity. Let's go real quick uh, before we're, we're, we're closing on the end of the show here. Before we go, I want to – I get the feeling that you, that you agree with us here, Mark, that this Jets game, you've said it multiple times, is huge, and it's kind of a – a turning point for the season. If you're going to pull this together, you have to win this game. You have an extra three days off. They're not very good. You know, you have to turn this around right here, or this is, it's pretty much done. Like your, your first half of the season is over and, and you're in trouble. If you, I want to go around with all three of us and get two or three keys to turning the season around that we can take into the Jets game. And uh, we'll start with you, Mark. If you're since you're our guest, I'll put you on the spot first. Are you talking, Jeffrey, for this game specifically or longer term? Kind of both. Like, like, what do they need to show this game? What do they need to do to 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 turn this around and right the ship? Okay, so let's start defensively again. Alex Highsmith entering this game, leading the league in sacks. So George Fant's going to be out. Connor McDermott is a career backup. He's the Jets' starting left quarterback. What better way to welcome Zach Wilson back from injury than putting him in the turf multiple times at, I'm still going to call it Heinz Field. Heinz Field on Sunday. How do you like that? I'm not going to call it Akersher Stadium. I'm going to call it Heinz Field still. So that would be one, taking advantage of that, confusing blitz schemes. and, And like, again, Wilson's still a young quarterback in his own right. So... You know, you could do things that Joe Flacco might not be the spring chicken he once was, but because he has a lot of experience in this league, it's not going to be as easily as confused. So that would be one. I I would say, again, I I pointed to the third down efficiency. I would love to see a game. What happens if the Steelers get out to an early lead, number one, but if they won time of possession for once, what that would do, like, and you're, you're smiling, and that would be getting the ground game going. Najee going for a hundred plus. Like I like that the Steelers are utilizing Jalen Warren, the undrafted rookie out of Oklahoma state. So too much of the burdens, not on Najee, but to try to get Najee going is, is I I think it would open up a lot of things, but the one thing with that, and it used to be old school where you get the run game going and it opens up the pass in 2022, you got to get the pass game going to open up the run. So the one adjustment they made against the Browns of targeting George Pickens, he had three catches on seven targets. I like that they target him seven times, have better efficiency there, though. So how can you get the pass game going to where it's not just the same predictable things? Like, I think the Steelers have been so predictable, and we just watch the game casually as fans, let alone actually game planning and scheming for them. How can you get creative to get your playmakers the ball out in open space? So to recap, defensively, take advantage of a left tackle who doesn't have much playing experience. He's a career backup again, the third offensive tackle this season for the Jets to land on IR in uh, fans. The offensive tackle is going to be out protecting the blind side, the bodyguard for Zach Wilson. And then third down efficiency, controlling the clock and getting the running game going. And just like any kind of imp- – like here's here's where I land, Jeffrey, and, I, and I'll turn things back over. Anything would be an upgrade from what we've seen for three weeks. Anything. <laughs> literally, literally anything. That's All where right. I'm at. All right, Shannon, give us your keys. 
I would like to see the offense. They've they've been most effective in a hurry up. Don't have to be no huddle, but you know, alternate when they snap the ball. You know, maybe eight seconds left on the snap. You know, don't always be coming down two one and then snap the ball. Uh, that helps the offensive line. Uh, gives the you know get up there quicker. Gives uh, Trubisky, whoever the quarterback, more time to to really see what's going on. You know, for motion to reveal what coverage. Uh, I think that they're. You just see Trubisky looking at his play chart, you know, in the huddle, and then they break the huddle late, and then they're, you know, everything's uh, hurried, and and th- he's not effective in that. Uh, I want to see more play action. I want to see RPOs. I want to see more usage of uh, Harris and Warren, uh, which will also all that will open up the middle with Fryermuth, Claypool. I've even thrown a pass to Claypool over the middle. Uh, I mean, he's got the size advantage on basically anybody that's covering him. And if you try to put a safety or a linebacker, he'll run away from it. So they're not using that. If they start using the middle of the field, I'm, I'm talking long-term, not just this week. They need to do it this week, but I'm, you know, trying to think long-term. I also want again, want to see, especially the TJ comes back. They have not proven they can even win a game with that. So I, I've lost faith that they're going to win one game till he comes back. But one way they can help cover for his loss is if they use the Brian Flory's influence and become more aggressive. Because I was expecting him to be much more aggressive with Flory's on board. And I know that's not Tomlin's style, but I thought he would allow that because of his respect for Flory's. But, you know, in Austin, I had said that he's welcomes it. But we haven't seen it yet. But this, they've had the long extended week, the mini buy. And this is the week to do it, especially if Zach Wilson is your quarterback. You know, and, and the Steelers used to – Dick LeBeau owned – well, the Steelers owned rookie quarterbacks forever. Mm-hmm. And and this isn't a rookie quarterback, but this is a guy that's never seen the Steelers 3-4. The Steelers version is much different, but they need to be more aggressive this week. So uh, – and that will be even more effective when Watt comes back. So those are the two things I'd like to see. I'm gonna go with mine. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna straight up copy you, Shannon. My first one is unleash Brian Flores. Uh, the, Zach Wilson only made one game against Miami last season, and and they sacked him six times in that game. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have they didn't have a TJ Watt there. You know, let Brian Flores do it. The the veteran quarterbacks aren't fooled by cover zero, uh, but the young guys the young guys have a hard time with some of the stuff he does. Go for that. My second thing is on offense, I'm going to go back to someone you brought up, Mark. I'm going to go back to Devlin Hodges and how he provided a spark in the offense. And one of the things he did was he just threw the ball to James Washington, whether Washington was open or not, because Washington would make the catch. And we saw, we've also seen James Washington disappear with literally any other quarterback because he wasn't open and they were throwing to other guys who were open. I would like to get this offensive spark, man. There, there's stuff out there showing. Yeah, George Pickens isn't getting a lot of separation. Who cares? Throw him the ball. We're not making plays downfield. Yeah. Just throw the ball up. Put it in a place he can make a play. Don't try and make – I think we're seeing Mitch Trubisky miss a lot of throws because he's trying to make the perfect pass. I'm leading you away from the defense here, and he throws it too low, and they can't make a catch. Just throw it up there where George Pickens has a chance to make a play and see if he can. Because if he does, man, maybe they have to go out of the cover one. Maybe the other team has to suddenly go into cover two and open up the middle, and now you're hitting those slants to Claypool, you know? That's how I would go open up the and – if, and if you can't, really, if, if Trubisky cannot hit those outside throws, because he hasn't been yet, he really has been miserable on, out, on deep throws outside the, outside the middle, or in the middle too, but he's thrown so many outside – shots downfield and he just we're not hitting them that's when you have to switch to kenny pickett if it's not going to work you got to go to kenny pickett because that mitchell trubisky brings a stronger arm that's really what he brings and if you're not getting to take an advantage then what's the point yeah and you've got size too with claypool and fryermuth and then pickens has proven he's gone up and yep. get it and jeffrey this is where i point to not all interceptions are created equal so if it's 30, 40, 50 yards downfield, it's an arm punt. 
And <laughs> like, you know, and, and so it's mm -hmm. just like, that's where it's a little bit different than, okay, an interception that's on a hitch route or on a slant mm -hmm. route. So not all interceptions are created equal and don't be afraid to make a mistake because if it's an interception way downfield, like I said, it's, it's an arm punt. It's, it's no different than if you go three and out and you bring Presley Harvin on onto the field. Yep. All right. Before we get going here, let's make our predictions for the game. Mark, are you ready for that? Or do you want us to go first on this one? No, I'll fire when ready. Steelers 24 jets, 20 fellas. I must preface my pick. I'm Owen three in my picks thus far this <laughs> season with the Steelers. So if you fade me, you can put some coin in your pocket, but my Lord, I hope I am not wrong this weekend because if the Steelers lose this one to the Jets, it's going to be a long couple weeks for the fans in Pittsburgh. So again, got the Steelers winning at home and covering 24 to 20 against the Jets at home. All right, Shannon. Well, Mark, we got something in common because I'm over three as well. Uh, so, but I, I'm like you, I believe this is a must win. Uh, if not there, it's, it's going to get really ugly. Uh, and so a lot of this is just out of hope, but I'm going 27 to 17 Steelers. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go a little more skewed than that. I'm going to, I'm going to say this game, in spite of how much we want the offense to shine is going to be the defense carrying it. And I think we're going to see 24, 13 with a defensive touchdown. And in spite of the fact that the offense can still do nothing, they get the win and and, and they they roll with Trubisky because you know he's two and two. Uh, that's my prediction. <laughs> Some good, but not so much. Uh, Mark, before we go, if you can let everyone know where they can see your stuff, where they can uh, see your podcast, find anything you write uh, on Twitter, all that. Yeah, so you can see my handle. It's on your screen right now, MD Bergen, M-D-B-E-R-G-I-N. Check out Believe in Steelers on YouTube as well. So we have our full shows posted there. We've got individual segments from each of our shows there too. Breaking down Steelers, breaking down NFL action. I'm personally fond of our Taylor Talk segments where we take footage from NFL plus the all 22 footage a lot of times and break down the X's and O's of what's going on as well. So Ike Taylor, my co-host and I played for the Steelers for 12 seasons. We have a lot of fun each week. So check us out. Believe in Steelers on YouTube. That's B L E A V in Steelers and Jeffrey and Shannon. Thank you as always for the opportunity to come on your show. I always have fun talking Steelers football with both of you. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. We're glad to have you. And for everyone listening, I, I I definitely will also plug his show. Anytime you get a chance to hear my, Ike Taylor mm -hmm. talk football, it's worth it. He is one of the most creatively intelligent people talking <laughs> football you'll ever see. And he'll say it in a way that you're like, what does he even say? And then it hits you. And the, but the dude absolutely knows what he's talking about. Uh, a guy who ran Dick LeBeau, one of the most complicated defenses in the NFL, was was a staple in that defense for so long. Love Ike Taylor, uh, and I can't can't recommend enough going and checking out uh, the Believe in Steelers podcast. Shannon, what do you have coming up? Uh, nothing right at the moment. Working on an article, but uh, just thank you, Mark, for coming on. It's always great to see you, buddy, and and uh, hopefully we'll talk soon, and it'll be after a Steelers victory. So. <laughs> All right, for me, uh, I have I am, I am in the midst of a film room on Devin Bush and his game against the Cleveland Browns, which was actually a really nice game for Devin Bush. Uh, it'll be something to check out. Uh, so I don't know when that's coming. I'm in the middle of it. So uh, that'll be out sometime before the game. It'll be out either tomorrow, probably Friday. Probably Friday will be out if you're if you're looking for it. Uh, but from everyone, everyone here, thank you for everyone uh, in the live chat. Thank you for joining us. If you're listening to us on the podcast, thank you for clicking on and, and listen to us there. Make sure you guys check out Mark Bergen and Believe Steelers podcast. As we say every time, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for participating in the live chat. Thanks for all your comments. We love seeing them. Have a great week. And let's go Steelers.
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.